Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Late defensive stands, laterals, and Hail Marys. Some of the most memorable college football plays we never saw coming. And my next guest lays out those top 25 fantastic finishes right here. It's time for the College Football Legends Podcast. The players. We're going to hit somebody and we're taking down the field for a touchdown. I guarantee you that. The coaches. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The plays. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. And so much more. College football legends. Heroes come and go, but legends live forever. Welcome to Believe in College Football Legends. I am Chris Smith. Send me a topic or question on Twitter at the Sports Jesus. That's at the Sports Jesus. We have a great show for you. You know what else is great? It's Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your sports info, stats, news, and scores. Get those latest odds and lines, and most importantly, the latest matchup reports. Bet Online is your Sports Intel headquarters this season, as we have you covered for all your insider sports wagering needs. Look, it's the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from the comfort of your home. Get in on the action today. Head to the website or use your mobile device to join and be sure to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% bonus on your first deposit. It's Bet Online where the game starts. A good bet is that the game is never over until the final whistle. Some games end without any drama, but we'll never forget the last second heroics of a Hail Mary. He threw it into the end zone. There was no time left on the clock. The ball went between two defensive backs of Miami. A stellar defensive stand. Touchdown! Kenny Witten! And the interception! The most improbable finish to a football game! A miracle gadget play. They hand it off to Johnson. Boise State has won the Tostitos Fiesta Bowl. Can you believe it? And even the bizarre. Oh, the band is out on the field. He's going to go into the end zone. He's going to go into the end zone. Will it count? The Bears have scored, but the bands are out on the field. Here to lay out the 25 most memorable final plays of all time is my special guest, Jeff Mazidlo, sports writer at Yard Barker and many other platforms. Jeff has professionally written about sports, entertainment, pop culture for nearly 30 years. Thanks for joining me, Jeff. Thanks, Chris. I appreciate it. Good to be here. All right. First off, you have so many articles out there. What gives you inspiration for a story? You know, I, I've been doing this now for, for over 25 years, writing sports and, and pop culture. And they, you just uh, you, you go with kind of what you know, what you've kind of the useless knowledge, I like to say sometimes, uh, that you accumulate over the years. Um, and also, you know, what, what's going on now? You try to make it timely. So it's just kind of, you know, you think about things. I mean, you're sitting around and it's kind of like if you were out at a bar with friends and you just start coming up with a conversation and, you know, you don't think it's a big deal at the time or you don't think it really means much or, but uh, you kind of get these ideas. And I think, uh, you know, for sports, you, you also kind of think a little bit out of the box and, and you're just trying to be like, Hey, you know, I remember that play or do you remember that game and how many, you know, how many great finishes do you remember? What are some of those best games? It just kind of gets the ball rolling. So uh, you know, whether you're watching a game, whether you're watching a, a television show, it's just, just kind of pops in there, really. 
Yeah, well, speaking of one of those stories, you wrote an article that is a great read. Its headline is, quote, the 25 best game ending plays in college football. And what I noticed was some college teams were actually on the list multiple times, some as the victor and some got the short end of the stick. And going with the latter were the Michigan Wolverines. They dialed in with three heartbreakers in your top 25, starting with the miracle at Michigan in 94. Tell me about Cordell Stewart's heroics for Colorado. Yeah, you know, Michigan, uh, you know, again, storied program, great history, great players, but yeah, they have been on the, the, the short end of the stick on, on, on a number of these these big plays. So if we go back to 1994 and, uh, you know, winning at the big house is not easy, obviously, for opponents. Sure. Uh, and it was a great game, back and forth. Uh, Michigan looked like they had won, but Cordell Stewart, and I think this was, you know, a lot of the times that when we'll, we'll notice with some of these games, uh, one single play can sometimes define a career for a player. And I think while Cordell Stewart, you know, went on to have a pretty solid NFL career, um, you remember him mostly, I think for this play was where he, he heaves one back, uh, you know, a game that, that Colorado should have lost and he finds Michael Westbrook in the end zone, in the middle of like three other guys or four other guys around him, Michigan defenders, and he makes that catch. I think it was just like how I don't still to this day, I don't know how that ball got through those guys. <laughs> and it went right in his gut. He falls in, you know, he's in the end zone already. And it's one of those plays where you tell your defenders, knock it down. Knock it, and somehow they just couldn't even get a hand on it. If I were the defense, I'd have a few more guys over there. Three wide ops at the top of the picture. Stewart with time. Let's it go. He's got three people down there. The ball's up in the air. Caught. Touchdown. Caught by Westbrook for a touchdown. Incredible. So that was uh, that was the you know that kind of set the stage for Michigan's uh, struggles with these you know with these big plays. Yeah, well, like big you said, struggles that they were because more than a decade later, the fifth-ranked Wolverines looked to escape their own backyard against then FCS program Appalachian State. What happened as the game team down to the wire in two thousand and seven? You know that one was. And I remember, you know, watching that game, and I actually did some um, some preview stuff for that game uh, beforehand. And it's one of those cases where, again, you go in there, there's no way an FCS team is going to is going to have a chance. And and Appalachia State was a pretty good FCS team. Now, as we've known, they've moved on to the FBS level. And they've been just as successful. Um, but they hung around and they kept hanging around, see if not, well, anything's possible. And you know, sometimes where you you know, you, you don't think it, that it, it, it's even possible, but when a team's hanging around and you have a, a field goal that you think is pretty easy, you know, 37 yard field goal, um, last seconds, everybody's excited. And for whatever reason, the, the guys do not, you know, fulfill their responsibilities. The kick was low. The uh, Appalachian state got a, uh, a good push, blocked it, picked it up. You know, and, and, and you know, by that point, it didn't really matter, but it was just, you know, to, to preserve a lead. It'll be Jason Gingell out of the hold of Mesco. Good snap, good hold. And the kick is blocked. Appalachian State has stunned the college football world. One of the greatest upsets in sports history. And it was probably, I think, still to this day, one of the up there has to be one of the top five upsets of all time in college football history that played out uh, because of just because of where those teams were in, you know, at that, at that time and who they were. So, um, 
but it just goes to show you that sometimes you may think you have all the talent, but if you don't execute on a specific play, and really Michigan didn't execute a lot throughout the game. It wasn't a great defensive effort. You know, 34-32 was the final score, so Michigan wasn't playing very good defense. And when you allow a team like that to hang around, regardless of how how big they are, how talented they are, stuff like this can happen. Exactly. And one of the most recent and probably most painful for the Maize and Blue faithful was the gift six against in-state rival Michigan State in 2015. Why does this rank number 11 on the list? I don't know how, if you're a Michigan fan, I think this is what you don't want to talk about. Regardless <laughs> of all the regardless of all the, the, the issues they've had with Ohio State in recent years, I think this is one game that they don't want to talk about. You know, obviously Michigan does not like Ohio State, but I think they they look down upon uh, Michigan State even more. And you remember Mike Hart talking about how he called him their little brother back in the day. Oh, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, so th- and I think this one is, you know, just squeak didn't quite make the top 10 in the list. Um, but I think it's just because of how it all played out. I mean, Michigan wasn't able to totally run out the clock. They had the lead, um, again, at home. And all you got to do is, is, is get a, you know, go through something you do all the time practices. You know, it's, it's out of habit. You snap the ball, you punt the ball. That's all it was. The punter, uh, Blake O'Neill, struggled with the snap and then had an even tougher time picking it up. You know, chaos ensues. Michigan State, uh, Jalen Watts Jackson picks it up, rambles all the way for a touchdown. I think it's one of those surreal moments for either team where you realize, is this really happening? You know, and he takes it back for a touchdown. Times runs out. Michigan State pulls out the upset. And again, it just, it's kind of one of those unthinkable things that, that happens that you, you know, you think, oh, wow, you know, only this happened. Well, it actually did happen. Well, he has trouble with the snap and the ball is free. It's picked up by Michigan State's Jalen Watts Jackson and he scores on the last play of the game. Unbelievable. An interesting note on that, Chris, was Jalen Watts Jackson, who, who picked up the, the fumble, took it in for the score actually dislocated his hip on that. Play. Ouch. So, <laughs> so I don't even know if he got, and, and I don't know if it was from actually picking us up, but I think it might've happened at the celebration. Oh, the ce- <laughs> celebrational injuries. I guess if yeah, you're going to have an injury, it might as well be during a celebration, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't, I just remember him laying there and it was tough for him to get up. So um, yeah, but again, yeah. It, listen, Michigan fans, they have a lot to be proud of. Obviously there's, it, it's, great program but these are three moments they probably don't want to talk about sure and we're speaking with jeff mazidlo sports writer editor and researcher on many platforms and we're talking about the 25 best game ending plays in college football and another team that lands on the top 25 twice is notre dame Um, now the last second field goal by boston college in 93 to upset number four fighting irish was gut-wrenching but tell me about the miracle at south bend in 1991 yeah, you would think, again, another story program, obviously, in, in Fighting Irish. And they haven't really had too many memorable last-second finishes. But we go back to, you mentioned the, the, the game against uh, Boston College. But we go back to you know, 1991, and Tennessee comes to town, which is, you know, it's, again, it's not it's another big program. Yeah, program, 13th ranked at the time. Notre Dame's fifth in the country. Tennessee was ranked, I believe they were 13th going into that game. Exactly. Um, and it came back again, another case where you're allowing a, 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 the visitors to hang around and Tennessee, they, they, they fought back. They were down 31, seven in that game, but they, in the second half, they managed to fight their way back. And again, you put yourself in position to win, but 
if you're not, and they, they took the lead, Notre Dame then uh, had a chance to, uh, to go ahead. Rob Leonard um, in his field goal attempt was, uh, was blocked. It was a 27 yard field goal. Uh, as time expired and, and Tennessee ended up uh, pulling off the upset. And again, it's back in the late eighties, early nineties, when they were, you know, pretty much a one, two, three ranked team in the yeah, perennial the powerhouse. And, definitely. This was a big deal. And you know, Tennessee, again, no slouch. People knew who they are. Storied history, you know, very, very, uh, uh, a lot of tradition there. But coming into South Bend, not easy to do. And especially when you're down 31-7 and you fight your way back and then you come through and it looks like all oh, that's going to be wasted and you, and you make a big stop at the end and make a big, you know, kind of like essentially a block that wins again. And, and again, you, it's another one of those where, wow, if we could only do this, you know, th- this would be great if it happened and it happened. Yeah, absolutely unbelievable. And the LSU Tigers had a pair of memorable finishes, one in the 2005 Capital One Bowl against Iowa. Take me into the final ticks of that game. So this was, uh, yeah, so this was Iowa and, and LSU, and it was uh, New Year's Day, uh, 2005. Uh, LSU's leading, uh, and it's, again, it's kind of, I don't know if you would, if it would necessarily qualify as a Hail Mary, but it was, a, you know, it was the last second heave. Drew Tate, I don't know if people remember him, pretty good quarterback uh, sure. for the Hawkeyes. And he unloads one, and he's down. You've got uh, pretty much down the not quite the middle of the field, but um, Warren Holloway kind of nobody saw him, nobody left him streaking down the field. He makes the catch, fifty-six yards for the touchdown uh, to win the game. Interesting thing about Holloway was he was a senior, and that was his only touchdown of his career. Unbelievable! <laughs> he made it count. <laughs> yeah. He did. And, and uh, actually, a uh, side note for me personally, I actually covered Holloway in high school. So, um, oh, well, that must have been great and, to and, see. So that was kind of cool. What I, I remember watching, like, wow, that's it. So it was, uh, but yeah, so, um, and it's just another case where that was, I mean, you could chalk it up to LSU just a defensive lapse. I mean, you, you got to be aware of everybody. And maybe they either underestimated Tate's uh, arm strength or they were just not in position and forgot about a guy who they didn't think was going to even factor into play. Yeah, well, for your one and only catch during your career at Iowa, that was a big one. And a couple years prior, they were on the positive end of a stunning victory and in the top 10 on the list. Let's talk about what a lot of in Lexington don't want to talk about is the bluegrass miracle. I think this is one of the best finishes of of all time in any sport. Um, Just kind of the way that played out. And if you go back and you watch the video of that finish, there was a lot of shots of Kentucky fans <laughs> that, that were just, they couldn't believe it, what they had just seen. Uh, and, and you've got um, Marcus Randall, uh, again, another guy, another you know, blast from the past in the name. Kentucky th- thinks they've got it. They, they, the, the game in hand, um, big upset. Uh, next thing you know, Randall just heaves it. And Devery Henderson, he, he followed the ball the whole time as it was tipped through a couple of defenders. Uh, he made the play literally on his fingertip and, yeah, and, and ran in 75 yards for the touchdown. And again, the clock was winding down. Final play of the game. Shotgun formation. Three-man rush. Randall stops, throws it as far as he can. Caught! Caught! Touchdown! I do not believe it! The Tigers pulled off another miracle. It was Devery Henderson who caught it on the last play of the game. Holy cow! Jim, that I've is never a, seen it that happen is before in my life. Unbelievable play I think I have ever seen in all the years. They're 
fans on the other end they trying can't to believe tear it. the ghost post down. I don't think they realize LSU won it. My I think they thought goodness. It's just stunning. I mean, one, I think with that play, it's one of those plays where everything had to go right, and it did. Um, but the concentration that Henderson had, he followed the ball the whole time, you know, made, he was in the right place at the right time, but he put himself in the right place at the right time too. And I think in a lot of these cases, that's where, you know, that's what you need to do. And, and he was talented enough, smart enough to be where he needed to be. And there was nobody behind him, but you can't let people, you can't let people behind you. And I think Kentucky probably thought they were in a, a good defensive setup, but as we found out, they weren't. But yeah, I think that's definitely, to me, that the, the way it unfolded, the, way, the, the actual catch, the physical catch to me was one of why it makes that, why that, I believe is such a great play. Yeah, the focus was unbelievable. And we'll have more Believe in College Football Legends right after this. Welcome back to Believe in College Football Legends. I'm Chris Smith. We're speaking with Jeff Mazidlow about the 25 best game-ending plays in college football. And Alabama, they check in with three incredible finishes in your top 25. At number three is the legendary kick six as Auburn's Chris Davis took a missed field goal from the end zone for the score to lift the Tigers over Alabama 34-28 in the Iron Bowl. But it's the other two that I took notice. Going into the Iron Bowl in 1985, there was one simply known as the kick. Yeah, so most people probably, unless you're you know, fans of those two teams, you probably don't remember the, the 1985 game, but that's when back when they would play it at Legion Field. It was a neutral site, a bad turf sure. and, and everything. And, and um, you know, it was, it was a game where, again, another kind of back and forth game. And a lot of people, I think from the way it was played and, and the finish consider this, this might be the best game, well played game in the history of this, of this storied uh, rivalry. And uh, Van Tiffen from Alabama uh, finished it off with a 52 yard field goal uh, as, the, as the clock ran out and was, Almost blocked, actually. If you if you, you kind of see, there was a an Auburn player who kind of jumped in. It looked like he had a chance to block at one of those great diving uh, blocks, but uh, he wasn't able to get it. And that's just a big time kick. I mean, you know, fifty two yards isn't a yeah. That's shot. a boomer. And you're coming in biggest game of essentially his Van Tiffen's life probably at the time, and in such a great rivalry, and you know, one that could your, your reputation could go either way if you depending on the result of that kick. And that's definitely one that uh, Alabama fans are uh, like to talk about. I know. Those kickers, they get so much pressure. And the other Crimson Tide game that clocks in at number seven on the list was actually the most recent. What made the 2018 National Championship game against Georgia so special? It was just a great game. I mean, there was so much so much drama in, in, in that one. I think, you know, for me, it's, it's what you hope for in, in, in a college football championship game. And we've had a number of those, obviously. But, you know, the drama that kind of unfolded, Georgia out to the big lead. I mean, this was a, you know. Yeah, at home, basically. Yeah, you're you're playing in Atlanta. You know, everything is going right. You couldn't have set yourself up better, but there was always kind of that, all right, but this is Alabama. This is a great team. We know they're not going to fold. But then Tua comes in, and and that's kind of his, uh, you know, breakout party. And and it goes to overtime. And the next thing you know, it's, you know, he, he just great pass, great catch, Devontae Smith. Who is you know is, is, is one of the uh, the game's greats right now? Angabaloa trying to make up for it. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins. The Crimson Tide will not be denied. True freshman to true freshman. Angabaloa to Devontae Smith. Alabama breaks Georgia hearts. 
and, and, and it, that's how it ends. 41 yard pass, great pass, great catch, you know, just a, a stunning finish to a, to a fantastic game and, and a heartbreaker for Georgia. I mean, one that I don't know if you, I don't know if this is the kind of a game. I don't know if you ever get over very Alabama fan. Obviously it's great. You're going to talk about that forever, but Georgia, you don't want to talk about it because it's definitely what, not only how it got to that point, but the way it ended too. Um, and I just think it's a fantastic thing. And of course the magnitude of the game, how it ended and, and, and what was on the line makes it definitely some, you know, uh, a game that needs to be in the top 10. Yeah. And of course too, it was a backup and to take down a powerhouse like Georgia, unbelievable. Right. And the Miami hurricanes are no stranger to photo finishes. Let's dive into the Halloween matchup and a wild finish between the U and Duke in 2015. Yeah, not, you know, not a, a game that probably sometimes goes unnoticed by maybe fans of even, maybe even by any fans to this day. But, you know, we always have these, some of these games where, you know, it, it's a team that just scored to go ahead and there's you know minimal time on the clock and there's the kickoff and, well, well how are you going to do this? And, you know, what, what are you going to do? I mean, do you, straight running out, but then there's all the crazy laterals. Well, Miami went, you know, the lateral route. And the next thing you know, after eight of them, uh, in a kickoff that covered 91 yards, they had, uh, they had beat, they had come back to win, uh, 30, 27, a lot of crazy, you know, different laterals, back passes, questionable forward passes. Uh, and, and then a player by the name of Corn Elder was the one who finally was, was able to break through and, uh, and beat Duke on Halloween night, crazy night as it is. And, and actually, I don't know if people that do remember the play might remember that. Actually, Miami had a penalty called on. Yeah, but it yeah, was, there was some controversy. It was reversed on the review. So that was, you know, something that just added into the craziness of the finish. But it makes for a fun finish. And I, and I think, you know, those, that's why you, know, you find it on the list. And I think it's, it's, I, we ranked it that high because of the overall wackiness of that play. Exactly, but they weren't so lucky in your number one ranked best game-ending play in college football. And let's go into that 1984 game dubbed Hail Flutie. Well, I think I think if you're even a casual college football fan, and really of, of any age, this is a game that you either saw live or you know about, or watch it live, I should say, or know about or have come to know about. Uh, probably the game that won Doug Flutie the Heisman Trophy, arguably. Uh, day after Thanksgiving. Boston College was a good team, and Miami was a great team. And, you know, just one of those games, those crazy games that always seem either from the pro level or for college in, in Miami, where there's just high scoring back and forth. And, you know, Doug Flutie, the, the dirty jersey, the, you know, the <laughs> muddy out there, and late after, you know, early evening, late afternoon, and he just fires Cox back and from around midfield, and just he's one was over 60 yards. His buddy, Gerard Phelan, was the one who caught it. Flutie flushed, throws it down. Caught by Boston College. I don't believe it. Oh. It's a touchdown. <laughs> the Eagles win it. Unbelievable. I don't believe it. Phelan is at the bottom of that pile. Here comes the Boston College team. He threw it into the end zone. There was no time left on the clock. The ball went between two defensive backs of Miami. Doug Flutie has done it. Again, another play where the ball goes through, you know, he, he's right there. Nobody touched it. Caught it right in the stomach. Unreal. In the end zone. Um, the, I think the, the thing that impressed people most about that, one, obviously the play and how it unfolded, but Flutie's arm strength. You know, he was a little guy. And I think there was obviously questions about how, you know, would he be able to have a decent NFL or a pro career because he's going to the NFL, but 
And I think that answered a lot of questions uh, that, okay, this guy could do it. And he's also a big game player, but yeah, I think that moment is easily one that any college football fan and, and Miami fans probably don't like to relive. It certainly don't like to relive it, but you know, there was that, that was when we were starting to get to that, the arrogance of the Miami program, there, there was that invincibility that were becoming a, you know, solidifying themselves as a power, but they were taking it to the next level with the swagger and the attitude. And uh, in those early days, BC and, and Flutie, especially a little guy like that was able to knock them down. So one of the greatest plays in all sports. I, I finishing plays in all the sports, I think, not just college football. Yeah, David versus Goliath, definitely. We're speaking with Jeff Mazidlo, sports writer at Yard Barker, and many other platforms. Jeff has professionally written about sports entertainment, pop culture for nearly 30 years. We're talking about the 25 best game-ending plays in college football. And speaking of Hail Marys, you have quite a few on the top 25 list. I'm going to go through a couple of them. Uh, 2016, Tennessee's 43-yard bomb versus Georgia. 2013, Nebraska tip ball against Northwestern. 2011, the Michigan State controversial call while taking on Wisconsin. And the 2015 with BYU's dramatic 42-yard toss against Nebraska. Out of those four, which stands out to you the most? You know, I, I think the the that Wisconsin-Michigan State game, because you mentioned there was a little bit of, of controversy where it, it was a great individual play, too. Um, you know, Kirk Cousins, yeah. the Vikings now. Um, unloads a, a heave, you know, over 40 yards. Um, and, and Keith Nickel was the guy who caught it. He actually didn't catch it in the end zone. He, he, he caught it just shy and then kind of fought his way in. Uh, it actually bounced off a teammate and he caught it. And then he kind of fought his way in and it needed to be reviewed. And when everything settled and people were going nuts, they, you know, he, he got the touchdown and, and Michigan State was was able to to prevail 31, 37-31. So I think as far as individual efforts on both ends, I think that's why that one of those four that you mentioned stands out to me. Yeah, and another questionable call. That always adds to the intrigue, that's for sure. And uh, two game played decades ago are still classics. The play in 1982 in which the Cal Bears basically ran over the band in their victory over Elway's Stanford Cardinal, but it's the 1990 game between Colorado and Missouri that doesn't get talked about that much. What made that game so wild? Well, that was the infamous uh, fifth down play where uh, Colorado fighting for, you know, in the hunt for a national championship. Missouri is, is a, I don't know if we would say a middling big eight, uh, big eight team at the time, but, looks like they're about to pull off the upset and Colorado's driving. They get down into the red zone with inside the five yard line. And as they're running plays, they realize that, well, I think they do that. There were, that they were actually about to do a fourth down play, uh, but they never changed the line marker or the, um, the down, the down marker on the sideline. So while Missouri is yelling, these guys do, Colorado do all like it. There's a great documentary, the, the 30 for 30, uh, on Bill McCartney. And they really go into depth on this about how they knew that it was wrong, but <laughs> they, they, they kept calling the plays that I, Charles Johnson, who was the quarterback actually knew that they were given an extra doubt. They just never changed it. Well, they were, were supposed to have been for that. Well, they kept the box at three. So that's why the, the, the fans were yelling. The box said four, the box said four. So anyway, they got an extra down, which they scored the winning on a fourth down play, which really was fifth down. It should, there should have not, they were stopped on what 
the officials who were, were paying attention would have been the fourth down. The game would have been over. But since they didn't change it on third down, they got an extra down. Johnson scored. Colorado won the game, kept itself in the in the in the national championship picture. And Missouri fans went nuts. They tore down the goalposts. It's one of the few times where a team that loses actually tore down a goalpost. <laughs> Man, those refs, they can interject themselves into the game in good ways and bad ways, that's for sure. I'm not sure that they, there were more than four downs run on that. That's what I thought. You I know, was saying it's fourth and goal, yeah. and he downed it. I thought, where did I lose a down? Because what he did was he burned, after he got the first down, he stopped the clock right away. So it was second down right, right there. That's then what I ran thought. two plays, and then he burned it again. on. So they they may have See, run five I, down. And, you know, there was, I mean, the fallout from that, I remember uh, people say McCartney should give back the win. This was, you know, the he's like, well, if they didn't catch it, why should I? If they weren't smart enough to catch the, the stake out of the field or do anything about it at the time, why should I? I'm just playing by their rules now. And they, you know, messed up. So, uh, yeah, there was a lot of, it's still, it's still, I think, definitely one of the biggest controversies. And maybe, you know, the biggest controversy in, in, in modern college football uh, history when it comes to the way a game ended. Exactly. Who, now, who, nowadays, nowadays, you wouldn't be able to get away with that with review and things like that. So we would have we, probably something would have been done. Yeah, sure. One definitely that lives in infamy. And some of the smaller or non-Power 5 schools have gotten into the fun, too. BYU's Jim McMahon's last second bomb to pull the Cougars over SMU in the 1980 Holiday Bowl uh, the gadget-filled play overtime thriller as Boise State down powerhouse Oklahoma in the 07 Fiesta Bowl. But I love your number five on the list. Tell me about the controversy surrounding the 2016 game between Central Michigan and Oklahoma State. Well, this was another one where you you had a, again, you have a Mac school going into, into a, a Big 12 school. There's no reason why a Mac school should be able to to, uh, to, to win a game like that. Um, but again, another case where they hung around, put themselves in position to win. And it was a play where Cooper Rush, who was actually a pretty good, I, I know people that follow the back probably remember him. He was a, uh, you know, one of the better players in, in, in Mac history as a quarterback, kind of a versatile player. Tide is running out. They, he throws a 42 uh, yard pass. Jesse Kroll was the, the young man who made the catch and realizing he, you know, he, he was nowhere near the end zone. He pitches it to a teammate who then Corey Willis was his name. And he is actually in position in the open field. And he is able to basically, it becomes now a sprint for the end zone between him and, and, and a couple of uh, Oklahoma state defenders. And he was barely able to get in. And there was then the, the controversy. Well, did he get in? Um, you know, was he down before it happened? He was ruled a touchdown and Oklahoma state fans did not like, still don't like it to this day. Still complain about it. <laughs> Um, and it's probably, arguably, the biggest win in Central Michigan's history. Yeah, definitely for the Chippewas, that's for sure. And we are speaking with Jeff Bezidlo, sports writer at Yard Barker, and many other platforms. And out of the uh, 25 best game-ending plays in college football that we didn't cover, which one did you find most interesting or most heartbreaking? Wow, that's a, that's a good question. You know, for me, the, 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 well, I, I can tell you one of the games I was actually at. So, oh, nice. Um, and that was the Northern Illinois victory uh, over Maryland. Uh, and that was in 2003. And this was the only time a ranked team still to this day that came into DeKalb, Illinois, where Northern Illinois campuses. And, and the Huskies took them to overtime uh, and ended up beating them in overtime on, overtime on a crazy play where they uh, Northern Illinois scored. 
to take the lead in overtime. Maryland got the ball, and uh, I think it was a third down play. They threw the uh, they threw a pass. It was actually tipped off the foot of a Northern Illinois player into the hands of one of his teammates for the interception wow. to end the game. Um, and I, they didn't allow the fans to rush the field because it, when you're at Northern Illinois, it's a you're kind of elevated to jump down, so they didn't allow anybody to run on the field. But an interesting note about that Northern Illinois team, and, and this is a bit a bit a, uh, a group of five team that's had some success, you know, played in the, the Orange Bowl several years back. But that team, P.J. Fleck, people know him as Minnesota's head coach. Sure. He was on that team. That specific 2003 team for Northern Illinois won 10 games. They also went to Alabama and won, and they beat Iowa State at home. Yet they didn't go to a bowl game. That's because right. that was back in, when we didn't have the 8 million bowls that we have now. <laughs> um, and they lost two conference games, so they didn't win their, their, the MAC. So they ended up um, not being able to go to a bowl. They were 10-3 and, and, uh, and didn't go to a bowl game. So that was, that was the interesting about that. But they had that one finish, and I think that still lives up there with one of the great games in that school system. Oh, that is heartbreaking, especially for your alma mater. That's why you're there. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. It's time to go. Y'all ready for this? Three and out. It's time to go three and out with Jeff Mazidlo, sports writer at Yard Barker and many other platforms. All right. This is three lighter questions to close out the interview. For the first one, one of your many positions is at Stats, Inc., it's mind-boggling to me what you guys come up with. Take me through the process. Is it a particular main focus at first when we're creating all these stats? Well, what I did there, and, and I, I worked there for over 12 years, um, and I was, was part of the editorial department. So what we did was we would actually write game previews um, for, uh, for professional sports and for major professional sports, top 25 college football and basketball. So we would take the stats that the engineers, that the statisticians, the researchers would come up with, and then we'd put those in story form. And we would write previews based on a lot of those statistics. Kind of dig, you know, We have a great database, a fantastic database that they have, um, that if you want any sports stat for any of the major sports and college sports and soccer especially, um, you will not go wrong and you will, you will find it. Uh, so we would take those numbers, go deep inside those numbers and put them into story form and back up kind of a, a theme, an angle, whatever, how we were writing for those specific games. So we didn't, I personally didn't when crunchy those numbers, but I was kind of relaying them out to the public. You put out some great information. That's for sure. And still and it, do. Yeah, yeah, it's a big undertaking. Oh, I, I can only imagine. And number two, <laughs> if you could pick just one QB out of your top 25 list to throw a Hail Mary for the game winner, who would you pick? I think I'd pick Jim McMahon. Ooh. Um, because that, that was, that was uh, you know, we talked about how a one pass defined Flutie. McMahon is one of the great, you know, he, he's a, a college football legend. Sure. And, you know, he, he was able to win a, he wasn't a, a great NFL quarterback, but he had a lot of years in the game. He was hurt a lot. Um, but, you know, I think in, in the NFL, he was more, he would be dubbed what people call today a game manager, um, especially when he was with the Bears because you know their, their focus was on defense. And as long as he was getting the ball to Walter Payton, it was all you know, need to do. So, um, but I think I think what was underrated about McMahon was his arm strength and his athletic ability. And that pass is just fantastic. And and he was 
And he was so cool under pressure. That's the attitude he kind of had on both levels, college and pro. And to me, I want that guy that's confident that he can make that pass, that's confident he can pull out, pull out a victory for his team in a crunch like that. So I think as far as athletic, you know, the athletic ability, the attitude, and the confidence, that's the guy I want. Yeah, total package, definitely. And finally, I'm a foodie. I've never been to Northern Illinois. What and where can you get the best food? Well, Northern Illinois has one of uh, one of the more interesting uh, food claim to fame, and they're called beer nuggets. Ooh. So basically, what they are is this fried dough, and it, it gets the sounds name good already. From, <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and it gets it, it's it's called beer nuggets because you would spend if you're of age, you would spend the night you know uh, uh, out on the town or the campus bars, and then you would go find in the numerous places at the time to go and grab these, it's literally a sack of fried dough and you dip them in marinara sauce or, or uh, melted cheese. And that kind of soaks up the fun that you had the previous hours <laughs> and makes it a little easier to sleep, maybe a little tougher to wake up. But, um, and so that kind of became their claim to fame. And over time, they kind of reinvented the, the beer nugget where some will put cheese on them, some will put spices and um, but you know, yeah, I think you could probably find at least a half dozen places that had them and still to this day, probably that same amount that, that have them there, uh, when you, when you head up to NIU. Well, I know where I'm stopping them if I'm ever in the area. It's simple yet excellent. Hey, perfect. That's what I'm all about. And we've been speaking with Jeff Mazidlo, sports writer, editor, and researcher at Yard Barker and many other platforms. Thanks for joining me today, Jeff. Chris, it was great to be with you. Thank you. And of course, Believe in College Football Legends is presented by Bet Online. Thanks for listening to the Believe in College Football Legends podcast. Make sure to check out all the prior episodes with Heisman winners, legendary coaches, and sports personalities reliving the greatest plays. You can tweet your questions at the Sports Jesus and join us next week because it will be legendary. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.